welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. I'm Richard Davison, and I am joined by my good buddies, Ethan Uffman and Elkin Beltry. Now, guys, today we are here to talk about our favorite division, except for Ethan's, probably not his favorite division, but Elkin, our favorite division, the Central Division, where our teams reside. Elkin, are you ready? I am definitely 100% ready. Talk about the best division in the NBA. Psych. Not really, but... It's my favorite division to talk about. Ethan, less happy? Um, Honestly, it's one of those things that, like, growing up in Indiana while Alonzo Mourning stole my heart and I became a Heat fan, um, that division, as we talked about, it's a bad division, Southeast. So, you know, I can relate a lot to this uh, Central Division. Obviously, had some affection for some Pacers teams over the years. And then, you know, like, I feel like there's always been some drama to come out, whether they're fighting in the stands or if they're, uh, you know, fighting for the top of the division, there's always something going on in the central. Listen, the, the, the eventual champion may come out of this division, so uh, we're gonna we'll, we'll and you know we'll save we'll save them for the end. But uh, today, you know, let's just let's just start a little bit Homer here. Let's go ahead and start with the Indiana Pacers, Elgin, um, because they like. There are other teams that are maybe more like the Cavs are going to be an interesting team, but like the Pacers, like it still still feels like their off season's not quite done to me. I don't know. Like there are there's empty roster spots that they have. There's uh, you know potential trades that that they've got. Oh. You have Jalen Smith starting at the four. What what a weird thing. I, I did forget. Us. I did forget to see one thing as I was looking at the the depth chart. The Pacers did just sign James Johnson. Just a random. Oh. So oh, right, wow. Yeah, that was, it was yesterday. I got a I got a notification, unless I was like completely just like I misread my notification. But it says no, no. I I remember seeing that as well. I um I forgot about it too. The funny thing about James Johnson is Richard and I were talking about how they were in desperate need of a three. Um, not, that's not still, a three. That's still the case. <laughs> that's still the case. <laughs> I feel like he is anyway. definitely more of a. I would love him as a, as a four. Bring him in as as a four because as a three, I'm kind of like a little bit worried. But like, go ahead. You only got you have okay, so you've got Tyrese Halliburton, T.J. McConnell, and Andrew Nemhard as your point guards. Yeah. Great, uh-huh. sounds fine. Yeah. You know, for 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 the direction you're headed. Then for your shooting guards, you got you know Ben Math, Buddy Heald mm-hmm. is really a shooting guard, but we've I've like slotted him. He's gonna start. You're mm-hmm. you're gonna want to show him off. Yeah. Uh, Chris Duarte, really a two guard. Aaron Neesmith, also really a two guard. Then we've got basically just the glut of power forward. Jalen Smith, O'Shea Brissett, Terry Taylor, James Johnson yep. now. And then your centers, Miles Turner, Isaiah Jackson, the 4-5, Daniel Tice, and Gogo Batatze. Not 1-3 on the roster. Maybe Davidis Servitas coming from Detroit. Yep. I what, saw what that. A great, what a great pickup. <laughs> it's an awful pickup. Just just letting you know. <laughs> I, 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 like I saw it. Like As soon as I saw the exclamation marks, I was like, oh, no, let me look up this guy. And I was like, oh. There's a reason why we were probably so easy to pick up. And and overall, like, I mean, looking at this team, like, I think we all know that there's a team who is definitely not trying to win games. They're at the point where they're like, there is nothing they can gain out of trying to be a, a team. Probably like the most this team could do if they really try to get in, I feel like would be fighting for a playing spot. That, that's where it would be. Like Even if they did like some winning trades or winning signings, I feel like that's where we would be at. I wouldn't anticipate them to be able to get anything that would shift. Like, oh, this team's going to be a 
like a four or five seed. Like I don't see that happening at all. But go ahead, Richard. I, I see you want to make a point about that. No, like I, you're right. I mean, this team was the third worst in the East last year, right? Yeah. Twenty five and fifty seven, mm-hmm. and they don't have any desire to really like. This is not a team that's going for the playoffs. Like you said, the highest outcome is them making the play-in. But even then, that's a tall task. You're going to need to be better. Okay, teams that they could be better than who had a better record than them last year. Charlotte, maybe, right? We talked about how they could just, you know, the the, the floor could fall out from underneath them. But, yeah. like, the Knicks are trying to be better. Like, and they, they're going to have more incentive, I think, as it goes along. They don't want to take this step back. They can't. Washington Wizards are trying to take a step forward. And, like, you've got this decision with Miles Turner where he's on an expiring deal. Buddy Heald has an extra year. But you can't just play out the year and let Miles Turner walk away for nothing. He's going to leave if, you know, like, that, 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 no, he was in it, trade talks I think all, all summer long. I think he kind of feels like he wants to go to a place where he already was talking about, like, I want to get more minutes. And I want to feel appreciated, which is crazy thinking he's our longest tenured player. Been there since 2015 with the Pacers. But I will say this as a Pacers fan, I didn't think this day would come. Ownership has resisted the tank for so many years. And I think you guys kind of saw it. Um, kind of like looking through those teams that kind of were just kept meddling like eight seed, seven seed. Maybe like a year we jump up to like fifth seed or fourth seed. But like they kind of kept doing it. So finally I'm like, let's do it. And of course, with next year's draft coming up this is a time that you want to do that, which I know we have even more teams are going to be lining themselves up to, to also get good uh, lottery positioning. But I, I will say this, what they have, I'm looking at with definitely like Tyrese Halliburton, Ben Matt, I'm excited for our backcourt. Like that's something like, I think I saw, I know they shut down uh, Benedict early on, not early on, but during summer league. But from what I saw from him, it's what you want to see from a rookie playing in summer league. He did what he was supposed to do. His shooting translated well to the NBA level. That's what you want to see. Um, Tyrese Halliburton, he's going to be an assist machine as usual, playmaker, creator, does his thing. I went to a game against the Detroit Pistons where he dropped over 20 assists against the Pistons, and he made it look quite easy. Also, on the side of that, uh, I know we're not talking about the Pistons, but Sadiq Bey also made scoring look very easy. He could have dropped the easy 50 in that game if the Pistons weren't trying to, dis, uh, I call it, showcase their younger talent. Perhaps that is a term I want to use. But, like, I think I think looking at uh, Andrew – okay, with Andrew, is it Nimhard? Nimhard? I've always struggled yeah. with his last name. Andrew Nimhard. Nimhard. I feel like he's – I know T.J. McConnell just got signed, but I feel like he's going to be eventual T.J. McConnell replacement. That's why he's there. But, like, I fully expect before tread deadline, Buddy Hill and Miles Turner to be gone. And I think the Pacers are really going to look for some draft capital. I think that's really what they're trying to aim for because they don't need to bring in a big name. They're not looking to bring in a big name. They probably want to bring in a serviceable player to kind of, like, bridge that gap and keep fans interested. But I think, like, I like O'Shea Brissett and Isaiah Jackson. Like, those are guys, like, if they were, like, my, I would say my eight or ninth guys, I like them. But for the Pacers, they've been playing a lot of heavy minutes. So, of course, that's why we struggle a lot. And I also don't see Daniel Tice lasting the entire season. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I don't see him lasting the entire season with the Pacers. No, there'll be a a team that says Daniel Tice can play 10 to 15 minutes for us. Um, as a, a four or five in a postseason series, that just that just seems to make too much sense 
Um, unless for some reason he just looks awful in a Pacers uniform in the sparingly minutes that he plays. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of how he looked awful. He looked awful for the, for the Rockets, and then he went to the Boston. It was it was fine. So yeah. like even if he does look awful, there's like the precedent of oh if he's just in a better better setting. I think that's what that it team is. Has, and also I think know. I think teams are probably satisfied with what they saw for him in Euroball. They're like all right, he's still doing his thing, still like at least getting some run out yeah. there. And I, I would say the the Boston situation is a little bit different. Like you're trading back for a guy that you've you've seen the goods, but Boston's I don't think gonna trade back for him after already in de- tra- dealing him in the Brogdon setup. Um, th- I think that's a little bit different than the uh, like other teams. Like let, let's say randomly, like a Milwaukee Bucks, like they've never seen the man before. Like it'd be a little bit different for them to like invest in something that's looking bad. So here's one th- one question that I have with because like we've we've we're under the assumption right they're going to be in the tank, and yes we think they're going to trade off uh you know Turner Heald or something by the deadline we think they're going to be gone, but if but at the moment those guys are there and the the trade that has looked obvious to everyone involved is the Russell Westbrook and you know the. Lakers first round picks and then the buyout Russ approach. Like if you want picks, like those are phenomenal picks to go. Like it would seem those would be really good to go get, right? Because you can see the Lakers timeline with LeBron James there ending before those picks, uh, you know, right about the time where those picks are, are going to convey uh, or, or before then. And I just, I just don't know why that hasn't happened yet. Um, I mean, maybe now with the Lakers making those moves, maybe it's maybe it's going to happen soon. But regardless, like one thing that I look at this Pacers team and, and like Ethan and I were commenting pre-pod about this, it's like that's, that's, that's a lot of nice shooting out there, a lot, a lot of nice space there for Halliburton to to operate, and uh, like there's the benefit of kind of seeing you know, what does a what does it look like if Tyrese Halliburton and Benedict Matherin have a lot of spacing around them? What does it look like for those? And so, like, I think that's a good kind of trial. And hopefully, in seeing some of that, ownership isn't like, you know what? Let's keep let, let's let's push hard for the for the play in. All it takes is like a, you know another Bradley Beal injury and uh, you know something going wrong you know, for the Hawks. I, I don't know whatever it is for the teams above them. I get a little concerned because. We really haven't seen, like you said, own, that ownership group say, let's go ahead and and, and tear it down and actually tank it. Um, really, we really haven't seen it. I mean, last year was kind of the brief thing, but guess what? People were, there, were, there were injuries that ended up causing that. What if it looks good like in the first week of the season? Like, does ownership actually have the stomach to say, even though it looks decent right now, let's let's i don't know i i'm i I don't know if i if i trust your ownership i just think and if i was owner like if i was for an office telling ownership like it might look good there's a chance it could look good there's always that chance in the nba guys shots could start falling teams could play better than expected but they're like at the end of the day why don't we make it so it makes these players we want to move look better but remember what the end goal is we don't want to think immediate success we want to think future success but will the ownership listen i don't know because ownership is like can we put butts in the seats because truthfully speaking probably since the like 2013-14 season Pacers have been one of the in the lower half of attendance as far as NBA arenas and fans like 
these fans are just not impressed because they're kind of just like, why get invested if we're just going to meddle and not really get past the first round like we did before? So I hope we kind of embrace it. Cause I think that's what you have to do. Embrace the tank a little bit. Get some good draft picks. I don't think I think the Pacers, I think uh, Benedict was like their first pick inside the top 10 in like years. Like we just haven't had any luck getting there. But we've got some good players. But overall, though, I do expect this team to pursue the letting uh, letting their younger guys develop and play and train away some pieces and building up draft capital. That's how I look at it coming into the season. We can just hope hope we hope that happens. <laughs> Yeah, and this, and this team's got good bones for the future. Like we, I, I personally love the Halbert, and Matherin fit, um, Duarte, either as like a third guard or as a trade piece, like a, an immediate contender that still wants a youngish player. Like he should be able, like you guys got the right amount of like these are good players that can contribute, keep an entertaining product on the floor, but and also are going to help you find out if your other drafted players can be contributors. Like I think Tyrese Halberton is a, per- a perfect kind of guy to know. Oh, if this guy's struggling with Tyrese Halberton, he's not a fit for this team. Get him out. There's nothing about Tyrese Halberton that takes away from other people's games. So I think, I think you guys are in a great spot. If you can, you know, stomach the, uh, what, what hurts in terms of tra- trading away, like the, the franchise staple of miles Turner, um, and actually moving on from that era of Pacers basketball into officially the Halliburton era. Yeah, I mean, I think they pretty much have to. All right, but that's that's it. I'm good on the Pacers, though. I'm good on Pacers talk, just letting you guys know. All right. Well, then let, let's get to the ne- uh, next team. We'll, we'll go alphabetical here. Uh, we'll, we'll go back to the beginning. We'll go Chicago Bulls. Oh. Um, now, the Bulls, you know, 46 and, and 36 last year. Uh, they ended up being, you know, that um, uh, succeed in they had stretches like along with um, Cleveland, which we'll talk about soon, of kind of being up near the top of the East last year. Kind of weird, weird situation, but injury especially was was a thing for them. And I don't know, guys, I don't know if it feels like injury is still going to remain a thing uh, for them this year. Lonzo Ball, there, there are concerns. Let's just say that there are concerns there. Um, Zach Levine, you know, who had a, I would say a relatively healthy year, um, last year, just, just, you know, signed that long-term deal. That's nice. DeMar DeRozan, an awesome year last year, but like, can he continue that and sustain that going forward? The concern with DeMar DeRozan was, yeah, he's a good player, but trading that much stuff for him and then having him on that long-term deal, like the the perceived eventual decline. Patrick Williams was out most of the year. He's back. We assume he's a starting four. Um, I don't know. Like, you, you got Vooch, but Vooch is going to be an unrestricted free agent. Are you going to extend him? There's a lot of stuff going on with this Bulls team that it's it's a little bit concerning. Um, you brought in Drummond, who I thought is a fine I, – I, I think it was a pretty good pickup for them for the price that it was. Um, Goran Dragic. I don't know. It's 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 weird. I I don't know how I feel about this team. This is a team that like I think is safely within the play-in range. Like I don't see them dropping out of the play-in. I don't but I don't see them being any higher than they were last year, at least finishing in the standings. Like I, I see them actually probably being worse. Like you look at the team finishing below them, Brooklyn, Cleveland, Atlanta. I wouldn't be surprised if any of those teams are above them. I would be surprised if two out of the three aren't. So 
what do we do with this team, guys? Uh, they, it's really, it's, it's, really yeah. it's a really tricky spot with yeah. like that the combined factors of health. We talk about DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine having a really nice, healthy season. With Lonzo Ball, you started off with him not. Caruso obviously had a hand injury that had him out for a long time. And those two guys are really important to the front part of that defense. Like in it, like those two guys providing a lot of pressure um, cover up some of the, the lacking of rim protection that Nikola Vucevic just cannot provide. I mean, they had times where like they had a, a, a West Coast trip. Now just... Uh, where Vooch got COVID and it was Tony Bradley was the only center playing uh, against the, the Blazers that day. And it was not going well. And the Blazers keep in mind, everyone, this is already when Damian Lillard was not playing. Blazers took the bulls to task that day with Anthony Simons leading the, sh- leading the charge because there was no rim, rim protection. So adding Andre Drummond to have that rim protection when those two ball pressure guys are off the court, I think does hold up a little bit better, but I think it's just really hard to expect both DeMar, for DeMar DeRozan to, to keep finding all NBA performances um, this late in his career. And as much as Zach Levine played a lot of games last year, he was not, he was very gimpy for probably uh, 10% of them. And it's a, uh, it, it's just a team that I really worry about having a very low floor given that their engines have had such health problems historically. DeMar DeRozan, no, but he's also getting old with, like, can he carry a team all the time? Last year we said yes. Well, I would say someone else continue with, I don't know if that's a, that's, can continue. We've seen LeBron do it. DeMar DeRozan said, in, you know, I'll raise you. And uh, can, he, can DeMar DeRozan stay on that LeBron James level? I think, and just looking at that, oh, man, I think Richard brought up, I think the theme is health, but then like, I'm worried that we, we still might not have Lonzo for a while. Like, I feel like that, that knee is just not healing the way it's, it's supposed to be healing after getting, after getting that procedure done. And I'm looking at this team, like, is it better, even if everyone's healthy, is it better than last year's team? Like, do I expect them to win 46, more than 46 games? If they do, I feel like it'll be barely if everything clicks. But I'm like, I'm not expecting them to go to like 50 games. It's like maybe like they might just get just them out. But like, I could there's a team where I can see it at the end of the season. We're looking at a like a 42 and 40. Like I can see that as the final result for their for their record. And I think in this Eastern Conference, like that's the like, well, welcome to the 10th seat. Like, yeah, you have a chance to, to get to the playoffs still. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but but yeah, you're you you're you're way pushed down, and like of all the teams in the Eastern Conference where injuries are concerned, we've been like hitting on this point. Like the only team that I think is in the tier where like things could go, or like I would expect things to maybe go like Brooklyn is the only other team where just with like the kind of issue of Ben Simmons back and Kyrie Irving being Kyrie Irving, and who knows? Like that's the only team that kind of for me carries the same like starting injury concern as this Bulls team. I think this Bulls team is even worse. Um, like, and let's assume it all goes perfectly fine. Lonzo Ball comes back earlier than normal, um, and everyone remains healthy, even still. I don't see this team being better than sixth. I don't. Uh, tell me how you guys feel about this. I've been thinking about this. After, I keep looking at the roster makeup. Like, I know uh, you guys put down that restricted free agent for coming up, Kobe White. 
I have a like for some reason I don't see Kobe White as being in the long term plans of the Bulls. Like I'm, I know he's he can be like a, a torch when he gets on fire, but I don't see him as being like a long term guy there. I feel like he's a candidate for being moved along. Yeah, that's that's one of the things I was going to take this conversation directionally is I was going to say if this team needs improvement, if it needs better depth, more consistent depth, someone that maybe just fits around even the starters better for fill-in duty with Alonzo Ball, Caruso, um, and Zach Levine. Like, is there any way they could maybe swap Kobe White for some kind of veteran that just, you know, fills the gaps a little bit better? Um, maybe they get a little pick compensation back. Um, I don't think that's the case because Kobe White's not been a high-value player. I mean, we just saw Colin Sexton have zero get zero interest in an entire offseason until, like, a Donovan Mitchell trade came along. And Colin Sexton, same kind of player as Kobe White in terms of play style, and Colin Sexton is a lot better. And that guy was getting zero traction in restricted free agency. I can't imagine what Kobe White's would look like. So trading him for stuff, I don't even know what you'd get, but like, that'd be what I'd be hopeful. Like if they even like, I'm, I'm just looking at the Cleveland Cavaliers roster. If they just had like a Ricky Rubio, just another adult in the room, I feel like that'd be so much more helpful than what Kobe White can provide. All right. Well, let, let me go ahead and, and provide the, the potential option here. All right. All right here we go. Uh, the D- Detroit Pistons have Alec Burks here available and you know what? Uh, we don't really want Kobe White, but you know we'll, we'll take we'll we'll give you Alec Burks to get that veteran in the room. Because guess what? Like, I'm surprised Kobe White's still even on the roster today. Like that, that that's where this is. So um, you know we'll do that. We'll take a second round pick back as well, and we'll call it a day. How about that? Never go. I knew it. I knew I was waiting for it. I was like Pistons are just like come on, we're waiting. We have our arms wide open. Chicago, just bring yourselves over here. Hey, listen, I think that's a, an ideal kind of plug fit. I mean, we saw Alec Burks handle a lot of ball handling in New York last year. Like, I feel like you can be pretty competent that he can hold up there for for brief stretches. Not to mention, like, you have DeRozan, Levine, and a Goran Dragic off on the bench. Like, you have plenty of that, like, traditional ball handling I'm talking about for health reasons, if those things persist, where, where, where you could be needing something different. I just – I don't necessarily know that the Bulls are going to be – that desperate for the replacement if it means giving off assets like we, we went through the, the rundown of saying he's not a very valuable player based on recent trends in the offseason but i i will be interested to see how the bulls feel about attaching anything to a kobe white when you're getting rid yeah. of him I feel like they like if they were going to do something, they would need to get a four back because you look at it, it's like, well, is is do we really want Javante Green to be the backup four? Like Derek Jones Jr. hasn't really been able, we haven't really made it work, uh, and so the only way reason like that's what I would try to to get if I was the Bulls, right? Kobe White, ship him off, and let's try to get some sort of backup four that we, you know, if Patrick Williams goes out again, we're not super undersized there. Yeah, I mean, I, I just. The name, as soon as you said, a four that should be available. I literally, I was just thinking about Jalen McDaniels in Charlotte as a guy who I think if that team's falling apart, I'd be looking to see if he's a fit for my team. As I, sure. I know he has benefited from playing with a guy like Lamelo Ball. I think, I think he's a kind of energy corner three point shooter that you you can appreciate from a four, and especially for a team like this who Vucevic is a top above the break three point shooter as a center, not a corner three point shooter. 
So I feel like your spacing could still be really special with that those kinds of players. Like you, with with a Vucevic type center on offense, you need a guy who is comfortable down in the corners and cutting versus like the guy who shoots above the break. Yeah. Um, I guess I guess at this point we can move to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Oh, real, um, yes, real quick, let's, let's, uh, there's one guy we didn't really talk about um, at all, and I think he's actually really important to this team's uh, future, is Ayu Desumu. So, played a really solid rookie season last year for a, a early second-round pick. He shot 37% from three. I just looked it up because I was curious. I think the, the interesting thing about him is where does his career go right now? Is do we find out that he was a little bit more of a, a flash in the pan and just like performed well and through some adversity, like, you know, being forced into a lot of minutes or is this guy the truth? And we're talking about a guy who's a quality rotation piece of a, a backcourt for years to come. I just, I don't know if you guys have any hard opinions on the man. Well, I, the, the stuff coming out on him was, man, this guy does, does a lot. It's all, it's all great. Is the shooting there? Like, and, and I, you know, you'll, you look at last year and it's like, wow, well, if you're, if you're shooting, you know, that well, granted low volume, right? Two and a half threes a game. Like, I don't know if we can really bet that that's, you know, that's legitimate there. I think that if, if he can show, Hey, let's go ahead and take a couple more threes per game and still retain that, um, that, that shooting clip, then we're in business now, and I think that for for this team, especially with the concerns on you know on the ball, and as DeRozan begins to uh, age, uh, you're right. He he he's kind of a swing piece for this team long term, especially with the first round picks that have gone out from this team. Yeah, I I went to some of the advanced essay. I know you said two two whatever per game, but he did play in 77 games, so he shot quite a few by the end of the season. Um, his attempt, his attempt rate was 35% of his field goal attempts were threes. The thing that really does get me nervous though, is I look at his free throw percentage and it's down below 70% as a six, five guard. Again, all these numbers are relatively small because this he's, uh, he shot one free throw a game as well. Right. Why he slid in to where he did in that draft was because of his shooting it was because like in the years, like I think his freshman sophomore year, like he, he, his shooting was was not good um, from, from from deep. And then I think his last year uh, in college is like, well, okay, well his his three point shots going in, free throws still an issue, right? And so like the indicators weren't quite there, and so I think that's why a lot of teams bet against him. Um, but hey, if I mean if if you can hit him, uh, at, you know now with I don't know, I, I just. I hope that it's for real because you know what it's otherwise this Bulls team is in trouble. Yeah. As do I, cause he's a, he, he's a fun player, G- great athlete, like good, cool story. Like played it grew up in, like lived in Chicago, played for Illinois, played for the Bulls. Like that's, that's the kind of stuff that like, you know, can get like a community rallied around a theoretical big time contributor. So that's kind of cool. But yeah. You're right. I just I just wanted because we hadn't mentioned his name other than just where he fits in on the depth chart, and he's an important piece of this team's uh, next phases. For sure. Cleveland Cavaliers. Last year, forty-four and thirty-eight. 
Although when everyone was healthy, I guess I really can't even say that because when Rubio went out, like that was, you know, Sexton goes out, Rubio goes out, like especially tough for them. Uh, but they were able to hold on right up until Jared Allen also went out and then it kind of slid for them. Uh, they were able to have a resurgent Kevin Love here. I, you know, I think that they had a good plan for him in the amount of time that he was going to play. And now you bring in, you make the trade for Donovan Mitchell. And it's it, it's interesting. You still have kind of like the small guard situation, but you have the cleanup in Mobley and Allen. It's like, all right, Mobley, Mobley and Allen, take care of the defense. Uh, Garland and, and Mitchell, take care of the offense. And uh, the swing piece for this team is figuring out what to do with the three, right? It's do we do we think that it's Isaac Okoro because we need someone to be able to defend along the perimeter uh, and to take the best perimeter matchup uh, in in these heavy Garland Mitchell minutes? If it was me, I think that's probably the direction that I go. Um, but the other options are well, you went and. Spent money, I think, a little foolishly on Karis LeVert, training the pick that you did. Uh, he's going to be uh, in a uh, contract year, I, I believe. Yeah, he's not a trick free agent after this year. Or, you know, is it Teddy Osman really hasn't quite ever really made it? I, other than that, I don't really, uh, I would love for it to be Dylan Windler. It's not, it's not going to be. Um, so, where. Or do they do something ridiculous like go Dean Wade at the three because they want to go really, really long? I don't know. What, what do you guys think here with, with this um, Cavs team? Oh, man. I think, like, looking at it, I think depending on how Mitchell fits and everything, we don't know. I mean, obviously you would you would think, like, oh, you're bringing in a guy who's an all-star. I have high hopes for the team. This is a team where if everyone stays healthy already, when everyone, when you had your main pieces healthy, you were doing damage. So if you can keep everyone healthy or good luck, you have that good injury luck. I have high hopes. I would put in, honestly, I will keep a Koro at the, at the three. I like having Karis LeVert coming off the bench. That's how I always felt like LeVert. I feel like his ideal role. Yes, he can do damage as a starter, but for me, I think with this Cavs team, I feel like if, if I bring him in, let's just say to spell like a Donovan Mitchell, or coming at the three, like backup three, he's a guy who I like coming in as like my next guy. Like I can see like doing a pairing of like him and Rubio, for instance, like having him and Rubio on the floor at the same time, like afterwards, or one of the other two. That's what I really want from this team. Now, will it be better than last season? I believe if, if you have your, like especially like Jared Allen staying healthy and you keep those, like at least you're like, for, I call them the four main guys of your starting lineup, potential starting lineup. I think that this team is a team that can get up like at least four more wins, get up close to like 48 wins. This is a team where I expect to be, I mean, you expect them to be better. And when you make a move like that, you expect to be better. That's what you're doing. And you're making a push to move up the playoff tree, to move up on the playoff ladder. So that's what I expect. So I do have higher aspirations for this team. Yeah, I, I have a lot of, faith in this team and i i'll list it as follows it's i have a lot of faith in garland mitchell mobley allen honestly in the roles that they're performing rubio dean wade and kevin love robin lopez has a nice little death piece for just the big dude at the rim who's going to rotate correctly 
Um, Isaac Okoro, I have a lot of hope for. I remember, I believe I had him number three on my draft board that year. Um, big time guy, like great athlete. I, I really don't believe in him. But let me continue along with the guys I don't have any faith in. And that sits squarely on Karis LeVert's head. Um, Karis LeVert is one of the most overrated players in the NBA. Um, he is a volume scorer at best. And I really just think because he does it in unique ways, like he puts his feet too close together on step backs and he he loses control of his limbs when he gets it towards the rim. I think people just are intrigued by him so much that they don't realize that he's not actually any good. And so with that in mind, I think Karis LeVert needs to find his way off this roster um, which is going to be hard to justify giving you trade a first round pick for him. But if you told me I was paying a guy around $20 million now or in the future uh, for 33% career shooting, 43% uh, from the field, 73% from the free throw line, and not a skosh of um, efficient scoring at any point in his career for more than 20 games, I'd be pretty upset. So... That's wow. what I got to say about that. I, I'm just trying to recover from, from the flamethrower that, you, that you, know, <laughs> you just put all over Karis LeVert here. Like I, like, I agree. Like, I just don't know if he buys into the role here in a contract year. Like, mm-hmm. it, is he going to buy into, I'm just going to be the sixth man, and, like, I'm trying to win the sixth man of the year type thing even still? Like, seems tough on a, on a, a team where you're probably able to stagger uh, Mitchell and Garland. Like, seems tough. You can't, you're not going to be the primary guy, uh, I, I don't think, eating at any point in any individual point in the game. It's like, I agree. I don't know if he quite um, fits the thing that they need. I just, I think you've laid it out pretty well, um, which is why I have Okoro in the starting lineup. I, I had him high as well. I, lo- I lo- love the core and I still do. I think that he can, if he can find, you know, find the role here on this team and, Let's let's just knock down some sweet corner threes. Like let let's find the shot. Like Bruce Brown figured that out and was able to, you know, hit hit some corner threes in in this places that he's gone. It can't make him for anywhere else, but he can hit him in the corner. And if he can do that, you know, and and do it at any volume, he just doesn't shoot. And uh, I I it's like you'd like to have one more piece on this team to take care of that three. Uh, backup three role or even starting three role. Uh, that was the, I think, what the hope was for Ochai Agbaji, but uh, obviously he's gone now. I, I but, but again, looking at the rest of the East, this is a team that I expect to be in contention for the four seed. Like, I think you look at them, and you, who, you know, who knows, maybe they could go higher because this is a team that in the regular season wants to experience regular season success like the bucks know if we just have a healthy team and we're there it doesn't matter what seed we are we're going to be fine boston i think they have enough depth that like they're still going to be they're not going to have as many struggles in the regular season but they i think feel the same way um philadelphia they know like that if, if harden's healthy and if if um Embiid's healthy they're going to be players as as well when 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 you know the playoffs are going. So like all of these teams are the teams that I would have above them. You know Miami I think is in the discussion around them, but regular season wise I see 
this Cleveland team, I think having the desire to be especially successful, you're not going to see them resting guys. Um, you know, for, you know, there's going to be no load management, I don't think, happening in Cleveland like there might be for some of these other teams. Yeah. If you could trade Karis LeVert for either Doug McDermott or Josh Richardson from the Spurs, you'd be doing yourself a favor. Either one of wow. them. Both of them would wow. be – wait, you want to talk about a guy – who uh, is the same type of player as Karis LeVert, but at least had a season of doing it efficiently, Josh Richardson. I'm just saying. Like, Man. it's it's one of those Oof. weird things that because Karis LeVert, I think it's because he missed an entire year with an injury, and so everyone forgot about him existing for a while. He came back, put together a little run with a bad Brooklyn team. Like, I, I was debating if I was allowed to say this or not, and I'm going to go with it. Like, he's giving Looters in a Riot a bad name. Wow. That's my opinion. Because <laughs> Looters in a Riot, at least, like, those are usually pretty desperate people. There's no reason for this guy to be desperate anymore. He's got some He's got some money in the bank. He needs to figure out how to play in a role that's suited for his skill set. Wow. Well, it's just a... Uh... Is that going to be Karis LeVert's preferred podcast to listen to? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think no. so. Don't, don't listen to this, happy. Karis LeVert. <laughs> I didn't I, I, the I, warning I, after the fact. I'm not – now, listen. If I would have ran into Karis LeVert yesterday at the Oregon Duck game, I would have told him all this to his face. Wow. I don't think so. I do not think <laughs> no, so. No, I would have respected um, his privacy the same way I respected Anthony Simons, Trendon Watford, Nasir Little, and uh, Jabari Walker. I would have done up. the exact same that's thing. That's what's up. I, I have fear that the, that the Detroit Pistons like Karis LeVert and would do Alec Burks for Karis LeVert and uh, let's just let's just do that again, like just try, try try to ship Alec Burks places. Yeah, go ahead, but like again, I think you have to get uh, actually <laughs> you you guys would have to give up something there more so than just the player, which would be a horrible decision right. to yeah. take the ball yeah. out of any one of your developmental players' hands to give it to Karis LeVert. Speaking of, let's go ahead and move along Ooh. to the Detroit Pistons. Detroit basketball here, um, Bill. Detroit Pistons. Uh, so, uh, guys, I know that I am the um, the re- resident Pistons guy, and so I should know this, but I don't know what they're doing with their lineups this year. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be weird. There's a lot of directions that they could go. So I'm going to give it my best shot for like what I think the starting lineup will be on, on day one and give you some alternatives here. So I think the starting lineup is going to be Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey um, as you know your, your backcourt. Sadiq Bey, I think Marvin Bagley is going to be um, the starting four or whatever. And then Stewart, Isaiah Stewart out there. I think that is what the lineup is going to be. Obviously, Bagley is, I think, the surprise one that's out there. Uh, Everyone else, I think you'd probably be like, yeah, sure. You know, Ivy, the high draft pick, going to get minutes, right? Going to start out there. But Bagley is the one that's kind of like, are are you sure that you want to do that? and no, I'm not sure. Uh, let me be clear. The other options, the only other two people I could see also in the starting lineup um, are Isaiah Livers. Um, just because, hey, let's go ahead and decide to put some shooting out there. And you slide Sadiq to the to the four. Sadiq's a you know an oak tree. He's he's incredibly strong, and so maybe you can get a, get away with that. Then um, just kind of have this super switchy lineup type thing. The other one is Alec Burks. I think that they bring him off the bench um, because, uh, like, just having kind of that that bench score, I think, is going to be helpful, especially necessary for this team. 
But I think there's also the idea of, well, you know what? Hey, this guy can can score the ball, can shoot the ball uh, relatively well. We also would like to showcase him a little bit so that we can uh, trade him by the deadline. I think that there's that kind of idea out there. So those are the three that I could see, Bagley, Livers, or Burks, in the starting lineup. Maybe I'm missing someone. Maybe it's Kelly Olynyk because they want to, like, space the floor but I don't see them I don't I see them I see him being more willing to come off the bench and like in in these short spurts uh I I don't know I think the most likely is what I listed at the beginning with with Bagley at the four um oh I don't I don't know I, I you can see kind of where like I'm a little unsure here uh preferably I think I prefer livers but I think Bagley's where they go if I'm not mistaken, Kelly Olenek re-signed with the Pistons this offseason, right? Like he was expired no. and then he – no, he nope. wasn't? Nope, he was not. He, this is – he's going into, I believe, um, his final – it's it's. I don't think it's his final year. Um, okay, he signed a three-year $37 million last August is what he did. Yeah. So he's got the, the this issues, year – and this next year, year's like not full year, guarantee. Next year's got like a $3 million guarantee, so it's really nothing. He's the ideal trade candidate, I think, going out because a team can just, you know, they know what he can do if he's healthy and if he's shooting well. Like, I can imagine some teams wanting some spacing at the big position. Um, and so... Yeah. <sighs> I, I think you've got it dialed in in terms of players who are vying for starting positions. Um because I think if you're, you're no matter what you're going to start Stewart, Ivy, Baiting, Bay and Cunningham. I think I think those are such locks because those those guys. As much as I'm not the biggest Stewart fan, I I, I think those guys are the people who you are going to put to ne- the next winning the winning record with um, as your core pieces. And Kelly Olynyk makes sense because he can play the five four. In terms of shooting, offensive of skills, Livers makes sense because Bay can play the four and Livers slides into the three, and then Burks as well. You can just slide everyone down. Burks can play up to the three, and it all it all just checks the boxes. I I just worry about this team in general, like in terms of how functional they can play with what I don't see as any good rebounding out there. I know that's a kind of a old man thing to say, but like there's no one who's good at rebounding other than Isaiah Stewart, and he is a little undersized. Sadiq can rebound decently well, but I think if he's your three, then you're feeling good about it. If he's your four, then, you know, you're you're, you're a little bit concerned there, and I think that's why it's like, right, well, throw Bagley out there. Maybe you can, like, get that rebounding piece, but then you're suffering other locations. One thing that I think you're going to see, in fact, I'm I'm just going to guarantee it, you are going to see Isaiah Stewart shooting – a lot of threes this year. He hasn't, like he's had little tiny spurts here and there, but he knows that if he's going to be successful, like on this team with kind of where they're headed, he's going to need to be able to space the floor. And I think that you, there are going to be times probably later on in the season after the deadline, after they've moved on from a Burks, from a Nerlens Noel, who like he's an, an expiring piece too. And if he's healthy, like there's going to be a team out there who's also going to need a center, uh, you know, 
an expiring center who who you know you could throw out there and he can be a solid defensive player. Uh, he just hasn't been healthy in a little while. I could see when when it's a little later on the season. It's all right. Let's we're beginning the the tanking direction. And I don't even know if I would call it tanking direction. It's just we're going to play the young guys, and we're either going to be successful or we're not going to be successful. We're going to, however that goes, is fine. Like, there's going to be a point where you see Duran at the center and you see Isaiah Stewart playing some four. I don't know if that's going to be your starting lineup. I don't know if that's going to be just a lineup that happens as you're shuffling pieces around in substitutions. But you're going to see Stewart shooting the ball. Um, I think, I think quite a bit, and. If the Pistons think that he's going to be able to shoot it. We'll see. Small sample sizes are what we're kind of working off of, but it, I think that's probably the thing that if you're just looking from afar at this team, that's the thing you are you don't buy at the moment. Like, I don't think anyone outside of Detroit or Detroit beat writers think Stewart's going to actually be able to shoot it on volume and well this year. But that's where, like, from the Detroit perspective, that's what they're, I think, betting on uh, is going to be the next period of growth for, for Stewart. Yeah, I can see that. And I definitely saw that. Uh, I was going to say this. I did see that towards the end of the season. You guys are really trying to already, last season, get him to do that. Because yeah. the main At game. The very I, end. Yeah. The game I went to, Pistons game, mm-hmm. that was what Stewart was doing. He was feeling comfortable. And he did hit some threes. It wasn't just like oh, he's not going to make it. I mean, he, and if he does that and feel more comfortable with it, I think the Pistons were like, let's try this out. I think for me, like, I'm excited, Richard, for you guys to have gotten Jalen Duran. Like, I'm really excited to see how you, how you can develop in your guys' system. Like, that's one guy, because, like, Jaden Ivey, I feel like he's going to be a good fit for you guys. Just with his energy, his pace of play, his athleticism, I think it's going to complement well with Cade. And Sadiq kind of like being around him, but Jalen Duran is the guy that like if he develops right, I feel like that's gonna be such a positive player for you guys in the future. Yeah, he's the youngest player in the NBA this year. And so I don't know, like the thing I'm unsure of with just how many bigs we have is like are New Orleans Noel gonna get minutes early because they want to showcase him to trade him? Or is it just gonna be all right, we're just gonna throw Duran out there right, you know, at, at the start. I mean, we have our G League team, which we I think will be comfortable sending him up and down uh, to and, and making sure that he gets minutes. Um, the other person that we've not really mentioned, which it's kind of a big year for, is Killian Hayes. Like, the man can defend, the man can pass, but with, with the direction this team is going, if he can't find a role on offense, like, we just got another Frankie Smokes out here, and I don't know if that's... I, I, don't, I don't know... They're not going to want to invest in him beyond, uh, you know, beyond this contract if he can't find something to do um, on offense. Killian Hayes is going to have to show a, even if he's not a good off the, like off the dribble shooter, he is going to need to develop a significant catch and shoot game if he wants to exist in the NBA going forward. Like we're, he's just going to get to that point where, okay, you're a solid defender, like you're you're, you're big. And you're not like as slow as like I think his his draft profile was suggesting, and you, you can clearly dribble. You can get to spots. You're still a little left hand dominant on throwing the passes, which is 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 uh not great when you're trying to make some nice, real good ones or really precise passes because people as soon as you get it cuffed, everyone knows it's coming. But if he 
has, let's say he shoots 36 or 35% from three, but like with like a 38 catch and shoot split, that's the kind of the number we need to see is he needs to be a above average catch and shoot player to last in this NBA. But I also think you have to have some sort of volume too. Like you've got to yes. catch it in for, for, the, for the defense not to be like, please take that shot. Like yeah. if, even if it, even if it's just kind of like a, all right, you know what? He caught it. Now I got to actually go out and close out. Like you need at least that. Otherwise it's, it's just not going to do enough um, for him to ha- have an offensive role. So we'll see. I, I want to be optimistic but I'm a little bit concerned um, with that goes. I love his defense. Like his defense allows like him and Stewart allow you to be switchable one through five. If, if, if they're out there, like that's one thing that this Pistons team liked to do a whole lot of last year. And I think you'll see a bit of that this year, but he's at the spot where guess who Dwayne Casey's going to trust a little bit more. If, if the offense is not there, Corey Joseph. Right. And we'll see. I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping Alec Burks can resolve that problem. That having Alec Burks showcasing himself for trade, playing him with Killian Hayes, I'm hoping that is like all that Dwayne Casey needs to like where Corey Joseph can just relax. Corey Joseph, I would love it. As old as he is, still younger than you think. Everyone, go look, go guess, and then look it up for yourself. Also, hit more threes at a higher percentage than you think. But guess what? That's the issue of he hit a good percentage of his threes, but the defense did not care. Didn't care at all. So it didn't really matter, right? Anyways, let's move on to our last team. The only team that really matters in this division, the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, I don't know how Cavs much... Would, Cavs would like to oh, have a right. word. You're right. I, <laughs> Cavs I, I'm, would I'm like so to have to a word with you. They would. They, they would. just I, made I, the, sec- I, I they made the biggest trade of the offseason, unless you want to put the Frenchman ahead of them. Yeah. I, 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 I take it all back. Richard. I take it all back. I take it all back. Um, the the team though that actually like we don't think the Cavs are going to win the win the championship. Like I don't think so. Not without Probably. not without a Karis Levert trade. Not without a Karis. Yeah, Levert they trade. trade Karis Levert. They have any. All chance. bets are off. <laughs> okay, but the Milwaukee Bucks, I think, out of the East, them in in, in Boston are, are up at the top. I think any if you look at you know. Any, any bets that are being made, those are the top two teams that people would think out of the East. And without Chris Middleton, took him to seven last year. The problem is that they're basically bringing all, anyone that matters, they're bringing back. And they're, you know, they had a first round pick for the first time in a while. Uh, uh, Marjan Beauchamp, um, who hopefully can become a 3 and D kind of guy for them. They've had they've been able to have success with drafting some of those three and D guys when they've had first round picks like you know earlier on like DiVincenzo was fine for them until he had his injury woes and I, I I just don't know if he matters enough Joe Ingles I know that they had issues of well, when when Chris Middleton was out who do we have but like I don't love the deal that they gave to him like Ingles it's like it's a one year thing and he's coming off of an ACL and a wasn't that great even prior to that uh, you know, last year, at least not to the level that he had been before. He's old. I just worry that like, by the time he gets healthy, it's we're going to be like halfway through the regular season, and I don't see him you know, being really a playoff like person. Like, the Utah Jazz had defensive issues 
And he was a part of them for a reason, like like in, in the previous times. And if this team trying to get to the highest levels, I don't really see him um, showing up. Wesley Matthews is old. I don't know. They don't really have, a, I guess, the backup four is Bobby Portis, uh, who also happens to be the backup five. What do you think? Do you think this team, as currently constructed, do you think that they have enough? Or, or do you think that they're like, that they need to make one more move in order to really like solidify themselves as being a team that can represent the East or, I, I mean, it's hmm. them or Boston, but like, yeah. do you think there's anything that they need to do <laughs> to push themselves beyond Boston as, as the like, oh, man. actual I, favorite? I feel like they need to do one more move. I just don't I feel like there's a peak. Like, obviously if you have, when you get Middleton, Antetokounmpo and holiday healthy, you have a great chance. Those three guys are hitting on all cylinders, and Brooke Lopez as well. Brooke Lopez, that 2021 championship run was very vital, quite vital. But I feel like, like I still don't like. I understand. Well, I'm trying to understand. I understand that they were worried about Brooke Lopez, why they brought in Serge Ibaka, but I'm still. I'm like, man, could they have done something else? I know there wasn't much out there, but i'm I'm seeing where they go i think by trade deadline they're gonna start like poking around and kind of seeing can they bring in someone or even a buyout guy try to bring in someone during a buyout but are they probably not gonna be much even on that market i don't know it's just hard when you already have a team like this no one really wants to help you out anyways because they're like if you won your championship you're good so that's where i look at it the position they need i think even more so than a, a four richard because i don't look at this team as really needing a four because Giannis Antetokounmpo is is playing the minutes you know he's the guy and he's playing 33 minutes a game regular season i know there's you know another 15 minutes out there to be played but i think you can scrape together that for the regular season and i think come playoff time what they really need is a guy who can shoot threes at the three and slide down to the four for the non Giannis minutes um, come postseason time. And you're well, right, you are, you are gesturing to me, so go ahead and take that, it. That, that, that's what I'm talking. Like you, the Giannis at five lineup is is really what you need. And for me, it's like, well, I would like to have someone. And I think we're probably talking about the same like person. Um, like I think we're talking about the same type of thing that they need. Like they need another person who allows you to be able to slide Giannis to the five. Once Chris Middleton was out, they had no option. They had no option or way to to put together a lineup that could, um, you know, to defend some of these, you know, to defend Boston while being able to space the floor. That's why I think that they need someone um, a little bit bigger in order to to go there. I mean, you, you could solve this problem by getting a better shooting guard, for example, or, or, or a three, right? A two or a three, but I... I I think that where they were especially successful was Giannis at, at center. Um, in in that run, especially once they got to, uh, I mean, Brook Lopez was incredibly 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 important. But they're going to need to have Giannis at center minutes in order to win the championship. And I don't see the person on this roster like, uh, and I'm not comfortable with Pat Connerton. Like, he had a really nice stretch for them in that, but, like, I'm still not comfortable with him there. I don't know who it is, but it still feels like they're one person short. If this if, if this team falls off a cliff and he, and players become available, I think the player this team needs to be 
keeping a hard fixed eye on is Kyle Kuzma. He's the kind of guy who like, again, I think I have not been the biggest Kyle Kuzma supporter in my life because he's not been exactly what he needed to be given times, but he has been part of a championship team. And with the, the strides he made defensively last year, when he had, he had to be that guy. I think he's shown me enough to say, this is the kind of guy that if they could figure it out now. So here's like kind of like the, the money of it all. It would be basically like a Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton heading on the way out to get this guy. That's a lot of that guard depth. But again, I'm looking at it like this. If you have Chris Milton, Drew Holiday playing well, I think Wesley Matthews, and I hopefully I'm hoping Javon Carter can grow into a little bit of a, a quality backup point guard role with a full season with this team. That's the kind of that's the kind of thing I'm looking at is like that's what could put this team over the top with a versatile backup f- four slash theoretically starting three if you had to, Kyle Kuzma. I, that's that's the perfect player and forget sending out like I mean do you have to send those guys out for the money to work um for Kuzma is, is that why you're mentioning those two guys or you're just trying to get, find like I, asset value because otherwise the th- 2029 first round picks available send it out unprotected yeah but what I don't think know? they have any like trade exceptions or stuff I think they have to send I don't know how much money they have to send out that to send something out obviously and honestly, like some of these things, some of these trade machines are not working very well right now. Like I was just on the uh, on the Cavs the other just a minute ago, and Colin Sexton was still on that that one's roster, like as his new contract. So like, it's just tricky with some of these things. But I mean, the the, the for example, the Bucks are already twenty two million dollars over the tax. So you're gonna they're they're let me tell you, Richard, they're gonna be trading some equal value monies, as it were. But that's the guy who I have in, in my mind. Is, is Serge Ibaka really getting paid $12 million a year? If that's um, true, the Bucks are incompetent. Not, he's not. He's getting. He's making the minimum this year. Okay. For them. He's he's on trade NBA as $12.6 million. Yeah. So, that, that was probably his cap hold. Um, okay. Or whatever. Like he, he he's, he's not making that this year. No. I about had a stroke. <laughs> that would have that would have put oh, me over goodness. the edge. So they're not they're not quite as bad into the tax as trade NBA would have them or fanspo as they call it now. Um, that wouldn't have them quite as, as hurting as bad. But it's that's the guy in my opinion that should be available at some point and also like I think checks all the boxes they need. Like you tell me you can close a game with Drew Holiday, Chris Milton, Giannis, and then insert anyone else. Bobby Portis and Kyle Kuzma, Brooke Lopez at the rim. Like all of a sudden you're telling me like you have a, th- like I would say four really solid defenders and insert whoever else. And that, that makes me happy if I'm a Bucks fan. I agree. Well guys, we did it. Yep. Sound of division in the books and uh, we'll, we'll be continuing with this as we march toward uh, next NBA season.